Welcome to the Top Gear Magazine podcast, a peek behind the curtain of what it's really like to drive other people's cars for a living. These are the stories behind the stories. Hello everyone, I'm Jack Ricks, joined by Ollie Marriage and Rowan Horncastle. And today, check us out. We're going to try something a little bit different because um, essentially we're going to tell you what the new Lamborghini Revuelto is like to drive. But we're going to be throwing between Ollie Marriage in the studio here, who has actually already driven the Revuelto, and myself, well, future me, who will have driven the Revuelto too. So at the time of recording, I haven't driven it. But by the time that you're listening to this, I will have driven it. And later in so, the episode, and you'll be driving it. I will so. be driving. Does this make sense to anyone? You're just messing with the space-time continuum, Jack. Yes, well, as as, as always. So um, <laughs> The new Top Gear time travel device. This is what we're, we're playing with today. Yeah. yeah. Um, so why don't we just... Why don't we just kick it off and see what happens, which is what we normally yeah. do, isn't yeah. it? Um, so, Ollie, what, what? let's start with the, what is the Lamborghini Revuelto? Why are we so excited? Okay, so this is the Aventador's replacement, um, and it's a hybrid. It's Ooh. still got a massive V12 in it, obviously. <laughs> Six and a half litre V12, um, but it's also got three electric motors, one for each of the front wheels and another one between the engine and gearbox. Um, four... 1,001 horsepower, because you need 1,000 horsepower. Excellent. Um, and it sort of battles the Ferrari SF90. It's similar to that, but it's still got a V12 rather than a twin-turbo V8 in it. Um, naturally aspirated. Naturally no aspirated. Turbos. Yeah, yeah. And this seems to be what it looks like supercar and hypercar buyers want. They want still the big volume, naturally aspirated, shouty engine. Especially in a Lamborghini. And Lamborghini, Especially know Lamborghini, people yeah. want that too. But also, yeah. just to rewind a sec, you know, it's eight. You, you get the, the thousand horsepower figure, which, as you say, everyone needs nowadays. If you're not playing with four digits, who are you? Like, do you, yeah, do you even out. sell cars? Yeah, but it's eighteen, eight hundred and fourteen horsepower, I think. Yeah, from just from the V12, which is bloody yeah, impressive yeah. in itself. I remember yeah. the days where we were you fighting. Sorry, did you say one hundred and fourteen? Eight hundred and fourteen. That's, like, that's like some old American yeah. V8. You know, six liters, one hundred and fourteen horsepower. No, yeah, yeah. This is eight hundred and fourteen. Eight hundred and fourteen. Very screaming, very loud. I assume I haven't been mm. anywhere near the Revuelto. <laughs> the only place I've been near it is the top of the Goodwood Hill climb, where it was silent because it had a laptop being plugged into it. Yeah. So I don't know how well that was going. But um, <laughs> yeah. as we're playing but with it, this space-time continuum, I will hear yeah. it soon. Yeah. <laughs> but I suppose you could say it's not actually that forward-looking because it's basically the same technical make up that there's already been used like the, by the Porsche 918 Spider about 10 years ago although that was 8 900 grand but it was it was, was the it was a, it was the top line supercar hypercar at the time half price 918 Spider you could of. look at it that way with um, more cylinders yeah yeah <laughs> but it, i mean it's still a lot of money it's they reckon it's going to be they haven't announced prices yet as we're recording this and <laughs> they may do with 10 minutes time <laughs> yeah yeah um it's for they reckon around four hundred and fifty grand, wow. which is a huge amount of money. I don't think there's ever a been a car that has mm. more blurred the line between supercar and hypercar. And I don't want to get into a debate about yeah. what a supercar is and a hypercar is, mm. but I do find myself going Lamborghini's new hyper super. Well, it's like a series production car, isn't mm. it? So that makes it a supercar, which was always. But Ferrari's we're talking hypercar, nearly hypercar money. Certainly hypercar. 
power. I don't know. I'm confused. It's exactly. It's it, it is quite a confusing car. <laughs> um, it, but, but it's but still a poster car, don't you think? Yeah. When you mm. see it in profile, you, that's the next generation's yeah. car because the Aventador's mm. been on sale or was on sale for a long time mm. and kept everyone gripped. And it was, you know, social media's first supercar, really. Yeah. Uh, so is this one um, going to be yeah. that? That's that's the thing. They, they don't come around very often, do they? Um, I don't know. Twenty eleven, the Aventador came out. Twenty eleven. So, so yeah. uh, quick maths. 12, Twelve years, and it's they tend mm. to sort of stick to that kind of cadence, don't they? Mm. All the way back to Mura, yeah. although that maybe been around for a bit longer. I think Kuntash did a long time on sale. Yeah, Kuntash did a stint, seventy to sort of <laughs> late eighties. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's a big event when we get a it new is. big hairy chested. Lamborghini mm. supercar slash hypercar. Yeah, we all sit up and listen. Yeah. And normally we wait until this point where you will be in the future next week or whenever you're driving it to drive them. But Ollie, mm. you've already driven it. But I have already driven <laughs> How it. How have you and not driven recently? it months before? Because I'm going so, on the official um, international launch, uh, a pretty tr- sort of traditional formula. We're flying out to Rome. We're going to drive it on the Vallelunga circuit. Uh, no road driving, just track mm. driving. How, if you got some sort of dirt on the CEO or something? <laughs> no, I drove it back, it was either late May or early June at Nardo Racetrack. Ah. Because they did a very limited numbers. I think there was like, there was two guys from Japan, me and another guy from the UK and a couple of Americans, and that was it. And I don't know if it's like part of their final sign-off. They were always, oh, no, no, this is just for media. This is for you to come and drive the car and experience it and everything else. So I don't know why they need feel the need to do that in advance of, so far in advance, but yeah. And is it in a bin bag? Is it disguised no, at that point? No, no disguise at all, because you're at Nardo, which is so secret. They confiscate your phones off, off you when you go in the door. Yeah. So and you are a long way from anywhere down there. You're well up, well aware, and and there's and there's only very few of you, and there's a lot of people from Lamborghini keeping an eye on you. Yeah, yeah. So did they have a did they have an Aventador there for comparison they did. purposes? Oh, they had an Aventador yeah, SVJ. I did the Urus Performante yeah. at Nardo, and they had the original Urus there because they 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 want to make sure that you can feel those differences. Yeah. Properly. Oh, but there's you, a massive difference. Oh, it's massive, and that was the Aventador SVJ, so the last of the line one. And we were on the handling circuit at Nardo, which is a cracking circuit, actually. It's really good. And the Aventador SVJ, I mean, I really enjoyed it, but it's still, it's quite very old school now. It really is. It's quite, clun- the four-wheel drive's quite clunky. It's mm-hmm. it's um, got an amazing shouty engine, but it feels quite unsubtle and unsophisticated. And that's the big takeaway from the Revuelto, is how much more sophisticated it feels I just didn't expect that. I it feels everything has been so well integrated on it that it feels smooth to drive through corners and out of corners. So rather than just being you, you know in an older in the Aventador, it was like you get on the power and the thing that you could feel all the differentials going, but you it's all got a bit loose at times. You weren't quite sure what it might do next, but it was gonna do it with a lot of anger and intent. <laughs> this feels much more composed and capable and fast, and yet still really exciting so the it's just everything's been yeah it feels like it's weird because i thought it would now feel like if this had a very heavy german you know audi's input had been considerable in it it doesn't feel like that it feels like they they've they've taken the the sort of lessons and learning from that side of the business and applied them in a very italian way so it doesn't it doesn't feel 
less dramatic at all. And a lot of that is down to the engine. A very emotional Italian way like that. So Mm. whenever I hear about super uh, hybrid sort of supercars, I get very excited about throttle response because that's the, Mm. I remember back in the day driving the 918 Spider. It was only very briefly in Scotland. And the thing that hit me was you had this super angry race derived V8 behind you, but you touched the throttle and you, and you set off and I'd never experienced that before. And I was like, well, this is this is just brilliant. You've got mm. all the best, you know, the best of all worlds, basically. Is it that same kind of instant electric car response? It is, but not in the not as marked as in the nine eighteen spider. Okay. So the nine eighteen spider had three hundred horsepower of electric, so it was the electric was doing a lot. Here, it's about half of that. It's yeah. about one seventy one eighty max. And actually, Lamborghini use it in a more subtle, in a subtler way. So the Porsche needed the electric to fill in quite a lot until that naturally aspirated V8 properly got into its stride. The V12 has a lot of torque anyway. So you come out of a corner and it's basically the first 20 or 30 yards. You feel it go quicker than you'd expect, but not it's not that same amazing handover that you got from electric into petrol. It's like the electric kicks you mm. and then the power's there already and you're, yeah. and you're off. And then it's all about the V12 from that point on. And fair enough, it does the, does the job pretty impressively. And you at the Nardo ring, which for listeners who, who don't know, is uh, a secret test facility where most manufacturers mm. go. And it's basically like a theme park for cars because they've got every kind of surface condition that you can go around. Plus, mm. is it? Uh, I think it's 7.8 mile long um, banked uh, ring banked to do, oval, to yeah, oval yeah. To, which or you can see, circle, from, circle, see yeah. from space so mm. yeah um, Tim Peake must that. have liked that one no we weren't on that we oh, were just on question. the yeah, yeah no we didn't get to do the get do the big circle because he's got 200 I think it's 217 they reckon that the um, Revelto can hit for Ooh, us yeah, to yeah. test obviously it's so. where Jaguar did the records in the XJ220 back in the day It's it's been used for a lot of different stuff over time for a lot of speed records but you were just on the handling track but we were on the handling track which actually was probably more important anyway and where are you driving at Jack? Vallelunga. Ah. Vallelunga. Um, Racetrack outside Rome. Yeah. Have mm. you been there? I have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is it going to suit the uh, Revuelta? Yeah, it should do. It's got quite a lot of tight corners, mm-hmm. long straights into tight corners. Skid is corners. A couple of, yeah, yeah, a couple <laughs> of skid corners. Yeah. Basically, I hear tight corner and I think, yeah, excellent. Nice little <laughs> first slash second gear. <laughs> Last thing I drove there was the Pagani Huayra R. Oh, yeah. Which well, made some serious. proper noise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and what about the gearbox? So you you, you talked about the Aventador being very mm. unsophisticated in that department. Does yeah. that, 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 that one of the big differences? So the uh, Roven Moore, who I think is the chief technology officer or chief technical officer at Lamborghini, said that there was three things that Lamborghini owners used to complain about with the Aventador. Um, and first one, I'll go through the other two first, actually, were the seats and the plastics. Were, were, and we know Lamborghini seats, seats have traditionally oh. been pretty terrible. Yeah, torture The plastics uh, they'd criticised, and the main one was the gearbox, which was this, yeah, it was a, a sequential manual in the ISR gearbox. It was... Oh, it was pretty shunty, wasn't it? Mm. You, you, every time you pulled a paddle, your head smacked yeah, forward, yeah. and it it was pretty uncomfortable. That's gone completely. They've now got an eight-speed twin clutch in there. It's ideal. I'm amazed none of them complained about the price, because, you know, when you're talking mm. that amount of money for a car, I would go, oh, I'd like it a bit cheaper, please. But no, <laughs> if they were on about the plastics, I guess you've well, got a lot of money. You in that, yeah. but I, was at, um, I was at Car Week, so mm. this is just to give us... A little insight into uh, Revuelto owners. So I was uh, a, a guest of Lamborghini at the Pebble Beach. Anyway, so they have a had a sort of an evening 
a soiree uh, and a guy came up to me, shook my hand. He said, hello, nice to meet you. I said, he said, I'm one of the biggest Lamborghini collectors in the US, which is quite a way to introduce yourself. I'd like to know uh, what shoes he was wearing. I bet they were pretty spectacular. <laughs> and the what? Uh, yeah. Let's just say many exotic animals died in the making of his shoes. Um, so he, uh, no, so I said, oh, well, you must have a Revuelto on order. He says, I do, I do, I do. I, I ordered it in, uh, in white. Um, and then I decided, actually, no, it doesn't look very good in white. So I ordered one in matte black as well. I was like, <laughs> why didn't you ca- cancel the order or change the order? Apparent, or just Apparently 20% of orders are purple. Of the initial lead orders for that for the Revuelto are purple. Really? Excellent. Yeah. Well, there is I that approve of that. Shades actually. of purple. I approve. Yeah. The Viola <laughs> STO that we've got in the UK currently is mm. a beautiful, beautiful mm. paint shade. But anyway, yeah. Jack, we've got to set you off. We've got to pack your lunchbox and put your, okay. your, your suitcase on. But I want to know a few things. Don't forget your passport. Don't forget your passport. <laughs> I want to know what it's like. Do you need a passport in a time machine? Or, does it, or is it just... Because of Brexit, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I'll take it, just to be sure. And a carne, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, I want to know what it's like inside. And, and is it easier to just use and get around? Because that yeah. is a Lamborghini at the end of the day. But what, you want me to do the sensible stuff? Pulling away in E-mode, you know, the Oh, it's ride. got a mega launch control. You have a go with a launch control. <laughs> it's re- it's proper light-em-up launch control. Oh, future me is getting excited now. Yeah, and then yeah. I just want to know what it's like on track. And should we okay. buy one? Okay. Um, Britt, can we put some sort of futuristic time machine sound effect here? That's Britt, the producer, by the way. Yeah. And, 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 and time travel assistant. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Right. See you later, mate. All right. Over to me in the future. Here we go. Hello, everyone in the studio. Uh, this is Future Jack coming to you live from the pit lane at the Vallelunga circuit. So I am... I think this is about a week or 10 days in the future from when we recorded that last bit, live from the international launch of the Lamborghini Revuelto. So I am standing in the pit lane. You're going to hear a lot of background noise as these cars um, pull away. Other journalists are off to do their hot lap stints in various cars, and I'm literally on the pit wall. So cars are going to steam past in a minute. Here comes one. Hopefully that came through loud and clear, the sound of the Revuelto's modest 6.5 litre um, V12. So, yeah, it's been a hell of a morning. I've just finished my um, third stint in the car. So the way that they're working it is that you jump in a car, you have an instructor in another Revuelto uh, in front of you, and then he leads you around. And in that classic racing driver instructor way, they basically go as fast as you're capable of going. If he sees that I'm catching up to his back bumper, he just takes it off in another gear. Um, If he sees that I can't keep up, he'll dial it back, um, which is slightly galling when you're trying your best. But um, I'm not hanging about in this car. I don't think anyone is hanging about in this car because um, it's seriously, seriously quick. I was planning on saying something hilarious, like, Ollie, you're completely wrong. It's a dog, it's heavy and to be honest, my brain won't allow me to do it because, wow, it's a sensational thing to drive. And the disconnect here is that it weighs, I don't know, 200 kilograms more than the Ventador. It's a big, heavy car, 1,900 kilograms with fluids on board. And yet it doesn't drive like one. And that's what electric has allowed us to do. It's allowed these engineers to come up with very, very clever solutions to effectively mask the mass of a car. And what that 
translates to is that when you're out doing fast laps on a racetrack trying to chase down an Italian racing driver, um, I'm going quicker than I thought I could. Um, I should just paint a, more of a picture here. So behind me in the pit lane, we've got six Revueltos in all sorts of different colors, orange, green, matte gray. Uh, I think there's a silver one around. There's a bright green one around. Various journalists hanging around, um, shooting videos, taking pictures. Um, lots and lots of Lamborghini staff. They've got all the top, top brass out here. So Stefan Winkleman is around somewhere. You've got Reuven Moore, who's the chief technical officer, and they're all giving various um, briefings and lectures to help us try and understand the design of this car, the engineering behind this car, and what's gone into making a 1,001 horsepower four-wheel drive hypercar, and I can't believe I'm about to say this, friendly. Now, not friendly in the same way that a VW Up is friendly to drive to the shops, of course. You're still aware that it's a big, heavy car. There's a lot of power, there's a lot of momentum, and there's a lot of um, crashy barriers at Vallelunga. But it just makes the whole thing approachable. And what was really clever is I did two stints in the car before I did the technical briefing. Um, and really, it just feels natural, it feels smooth, um, there's a kind of harmony to the way that the components work together in this car that was never there for the Aventador, let alone, you know, the Diablos and the uh, Murcielagos and the Countaches that came before. Um, yes, yeah, so it's got all those Lamborghini touch points, it's got the big noise, um, it's got the big V12, but the electric front axle just helps it do really clever things. Um, so torque vectoring is always going on in the background. It's, uh, it's trimming your line. Um, the traction control is done via the rear electric motor. And when it does that, it's also recuperating energy. So you can basically never run out of charge in this little 3.8 kilowatt hour battery they've got down the central spine. Now, I've been filming a video today, which you can see very soon on the Top Gear YouTube channel. Um, and it's probably best that you go and watch that as soon as possible because then you can see the car in action, you can hear the car in action. Um, we've stuck microphones all over it, GoPros all over it. Um, it should be a really, really good fun video. It's track only. We're not allowed to drive this thing on the road quite yet because they're not road homologated apparently, not because they're trying to hide any particular behavior from us, um, we're assured. But, um, but yeah, the first experience is the full fat hit of a thousand horsepower Lamborghini Revuelta. I can't believe that back in the day when the, um, when the Bugatti Veyron came along and it had a thousand horsepower and we all fell off our chair and then I remember driving one in period and just the first time that that quad turbo uh, W16 engine hit, I was like, well, that's it. Acceleration is ruined forever. It was a completely different set of sensations that were going through my bum and my fingertips and my ears. And then here we are today. This is a series production Lamborghini. This isn't a limited run, multi-million pound hypercar. Admittedly, it is strong money, 450 grand before you start putting all the options you want on top of it. Um, but here we are in the era of a hybrid three E-motor, triple E-motor, 
V12, 1,000 horsepower rather, Lamborghini. Um, of course, the, uh, the Porsche 918 Spyder had a very similar format all those years ago. But of course, that was, that was more expensive. It was eight, 900 grand all those years ago. The price of um, batteries and motors and this sort of technology has come down. And this is the result. And um, if I'm gabbing on a bit, I think it's because the adrenaline is still coursing through me. What adrenaline I've got left because my adrenal gland has been well and truly squeezed dry today as two more of Welto's drive past flat out. I don't think I'm ever going to get tired of the sound of that V12 engine. I'll tell you what, why don't we go and have a chat with somebody else? I've seen Jethro Bovingdon, the presenter of Top Gear America, hanging around um, in the pit lane. Let's see if we can collar him and uh, get Jethro's thoughts on the Rivuelto. Jethro, where are you? Okay, so I found Jethro next to the cakes. Hello. I might find you here. No, I'm on a diet. No carbs, still marbs for me. <laughs> so I wanted to catch you. Uh, you'd literally just got out of the car. Yeah. There's still perspiration on your brow. Mm. Uh, what was that, stint three? That was my third go, yeah. Yeah, so we had a good go. We both had a good go. Go on then, hit me. What, what are you thinking? Well, Ollie's wrong as usual. Yeah, of course he is. Um, no, it's... It's a tricky one on a launch, isn't it? Because it's track only. The first two sessions, the guy wasn't going that quick, but then he started to speed up. But then you get um, blinded by your desire to push him along and go faster. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, shit, I'm, meant to be, I'm also meant to be talking about the car. Um, yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is the transformation from Aventador to this, isn't it? The Everything about it, um, particularly the steering, uh, both in feel and response. It's quite quite light though, isn't it, the steering? I quite like that. It's that kind of Ferrari thing where it's like whip, crack, fast and super light and it makes the whole car feel sort of flighty and Yeah, you know, it's alert. not. I'd say it's not as fast as like a 296 or something, but it's got that lightweight, uh, more modern feel to it. And I always found the event store, it almost felt like there was so much friction in the steering. It was like it was getting bound up or something. Yeah. It was like some weird inertia. The amazing thing for me is the engine revs to nine and a half but you hit the limiter all the time i was yeah. expecting it to feel like strained at the top end but it it's because it just keeps pulling so you're, you're sort of coming down the straight in fourth and then you're like smashing to the limiter thinking how quick am i going here uh, i think they were saying we're probably hitting 260 270 um if you haven't been to valilunga so it's not so much a start finish straight as a straight that turns into like a flat left and into then a, a really fast, fast right. right yeah yeah and it is obscenely fast which Again, it sounds obvious because it's 1,000 horsepower, but most stuff, even at that level, a track will disguise its performance to a certain extent, but this thing feels lunatic as soon as you get on it. Yeah, what's happened in our brains where 1,000 horsepower now... I mean, don't get me wrong, this is a ludicrously fast car, but maybe we're just driving so many of them so often that my brains can calibrate it much quicker. I remember driving a Veyron for the first time, I was just saying earlier, and... I was totally scrambled, couldn't get my head around it. And now it's like, okay, you know, you're looking at the sort of finer points of the powertrain delivery. Like, what? Yeah, poor us. We've we're evolved, so, we're haven't so we? Used We've evolved. To these thousand horsepower cars. <laughs> no, but. Other people's I, thousand horsepower yeah, cars. Yeah, exactly. I um, yeah, I just think also the technology's moved on to such an extent that they would say in earlier, the front wheel drive, you assume the front, the 
additional help you get from the electric motors you assume it's for traction but they're like don't actually need it for traction on a dry day which is nuts like i know it's got big old 345s or 355s on the rear but thousand horsepower through the rear tires you would think would be too much but it eats it up just like a lot of cars do these days yeah and it's torque it's basically torque vectoring isn't it so torque vectoring to like help you turn into a corner and reduce understeer but also apparently it's, it's torque vectoring in the background on like fast corners when you're when you're flat just to keep you stable yeah as well i think what it does effectively is allow the car to be much sharper and pointier in setup, but then you can use torque vectoring to dial in stability. So it's quite clever. It's like Ferrari back in the day when they had that really fast steering initially. They used the e-diff to actually slow it down at speed, so they start to lock up the diff to make the front less responsive at speed. And they're doing the same thing, but even more advanced because they're doing it with the electric motors. So yeah. it's, it's clever. I think the most important thing for me is it most of the tech does feel quite invisible. Like you don't drive it and go, oh, it's got rear wheel steering and why are the brakes doing weird things? It's, it's much more consistent and polished than Lamborghinis used to be. Yeah, although physics does catch up with it eventually. I, I was just talking to Reuven Moore, the chief technical officer, and he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I can't beat physics. I can sort of, you know, keep it at bay for as long as possible. And you were saying it moves around quite a bit under the brakes. And there were a couple of times I outbroke myself, but that was more just sort of overconfidence, just coming into corners, pushing it, breaking a little later, and then eventually going, hang on a minute. Yeah, I think the, the braking is probably the one dynamic, I don't know if you'd call it a weakness. It's certainly a characteristic that you need to be aware of because yeah. it dances around under the brakes. And it's a big old car. It's a big old heavy car. What is it? It's going to be nearly two tons with fluids, yeah, isn't I think it? Yeah, I think it's 1.9 with fluids. Although they never release that figure. It's always the dry figure, and then they leave you to add on another 120 or whatever it is. Yeah, but overall, I think the engine's fantastic. The gearbox is like 10 generations on from Aventador in, in so many ways. It doesn't have what you might describe as the typical Lambo character in some ways, in that it's so much more refined and polished than like an Aventador would be even a, you know, SVJ. Yeah. It was an agricultural beast of a thing. And they, that car probably felt more, more alive, like it's a living and breathing monster. But this is dynamically on probably another a level, basically. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? As car journalists, we're pre-programmed to sort of... I don't know, have these rose-tinted views of hairy-chested Lambos of yore that oh, the gearbox doesn't work, but I love it. Ah, it doesn't go around corners, but who needs corners? You know, and then you get in this and you go, well, actually, it's got the V12 Yao. The gearbox now works. It's now more predictable in the corners. Like You're just like, surely that's better. And also, if you really want something old school and agricultural, Go and buy an Aventador or, yeah. a, or a Diablo. Or yeah, it's a true. Or and I'm sure all the owners who buy these will have those things. Yeah. yeah, no, I've been really, really impressed generally. Yeah, it's just it's just such a big step on. But then it should be because the Aventador is about 172 <laughs> years old now, isn't it? <laughs> we were doing, I was doing some fag packet calculations. So came out in 2011, so 12 years ago now. But, but they must have started developing it, you know, six years before that. So it's like early... Sort of t turn of the century. Yeah, you have to developing yeah, it. You have to carbon date it literally to <laughs> figure out how old it is. Yeah, it's ring, the only thing I would on say, and this is, I don't know why it should be, but the driving position is is much better than the event store. But it's still quite old school Lambo in terms of where you sit in the car. So I just, 
I can't understand why they don't all just drive a McLaren and go, okay, yeah, we'll just do that. Because it's a carbon tub. Do you know what I mean? It, you should be able to create the same thing. Mm. And you never feel quite as just in that gorgeous um, position with that incredible view that you do yeah. with a McLaren. The, seat, the seats are quite squidgy and wide as well. I'm sure there's a... Lambo do bad seats. Yeah. Always have. And it yeah. seems always will. And when you talk to them about it, they're so shocked. They're like, you know, no one's ever said that before. I think seats from... Honda Civic Type R and everything. Yeah, that yeah. would actually work. That, that would, would work good, fine. But yeah, I mean, we do live in silly times, but I'm so happy they've re... I don't know how all new the engine is. They say it's all new, but it's pretty new. Um, it revs the 9.5. It produced, what, 815 PS on its own. I mean, it's pretty good days, really, isn't it? Yeah, this is this is one of those good days. By the way, it's also 29 degrees and the sun's shining and we're, we're in Rome. So, you know, on days like these, Jethro... I know, I know. Anyway, I've got to get back to invoicing now. <laughs> right. Well, we're going to um, head off, eat our own body weight and pasta. Uh, make sure you check out Top Gear YouTube channel to watch the video, topgear.com. You can read the full review from Molly Marriage. You got a bit of an early go at Nardo and got to drive it back to back with an event to SVJ. Um, so that was an interesting test. But yeah, um, what a day. Hopefully you got a little flavour of it there and hopefully you could hear any of what I was saying earlier as the cars were tonking past down the start finish straight. Thank you, Jethro. No problem. And I should say to everyone listening, go and watch Top Gear America on BBC iPlayer because I hear it's fantastic. I've heard it's good. The, the, the presenter's just cracking chemistry. Amazing. Yeah, and <laughs> hilarious. And yeah, very, very favorite good episode? looking as well. Which one should they head to first if they haven't seen it? Oh, favourite episode. Oh, man, you put me on the spot now because I haven't watched them all, which is terrible. It's basically, it? it's basically the one where you do the biggest jump, probably. Yeah, that's always skid. good. That's always good. Yeah, the biggest jump. I liked... Uh, also, I got to buy an old Maserati Quattroport 3, the, like, Rocky Balboa stroke Godfather spec car. So um, that one's a good one as well. All right, well, go and watch that. Check it out on the BBC iPlayer. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to the Top Gear Magazine podcast. Hope you enjoyed that. And don't forget to subscribe, to leave us a review, to leave us a star rating. But also check out what is in the rest of the feed because as well as interviews, we've got our monthly uh, behind the curtain look into the issues that we make. And also there's some new audio tidbits coming. So like Jack says, subscribe. Subscribe.